0: Hi, I'm Neal Kenny from Perth Glory, and you're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast.
1: Here comes Alan Sierra, it's Shearer for Newcombe! The oh, way well, he brought that down it was
0: fabulous. Cantador, oh! Cantador! Aguero!
2: Only all... football can make you feel like this.
3: Oh yes, hello, 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 and welcome to the Shooting Zars podcast. Premier League podcast episode 7, my name's Stuart Marshall, with me as always Alex Grant, Bryce Conway and boys this is a very big episode for us, uh, we have a very special guest joining us later in the episode or he joined me about an hour ago, uh, Stephen Taylor formerly of Newcastle United uh, for thir- legend. 13 seasons in the Premier League will be sat, we'll sat down with me via telephone from Wellington because he's now in the A-League so it's a big chat on the way that'll be happening in, later
0: in the pod, Bryce how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Stu. It's great to be here. It is great to be here, Al.
2: Fantastic for the uh, the one Newcastle fan we've have, I've have listened, <laughs>
3: Green Marshall. Or one of them in WA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Shouts out to my my dad on that one. He, he 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 was very happy when I told him, as I'm sure you would. Understand. As you would be. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, big weekend of uh, Premier League action, of course. Um, you know, West Ham finally get that first win that has been so elusive for them.
0: And they did it in style, big time. Big away win as well, big time. You got Yarmolenko first start for the club. Big Ukrainian signing from Borussia Dortmund scores two goals. How's that? Good introduction. And I think um I think the most interesting thing about his two goals is he's now uh is now chasing a Ukrainian record held by Sergei Rebrov, who used to play at Spurs and scored ten goals. So that's the most Ukrainians ever scored in the Premier League. So I mean, he's already a fifth of the way there, Yamalenko. So let's see if he can get it done this season.
3: Very nice. And for Everton, no, no good. No Richardson. No Everton. It seems the results have dried up since he's been out of the team. They looked
0: real poor, and Pickford a big gaff trying to play out from the back there. Yes, big gaff, Alex. Uh, Did a pet a check, I guess. Tried to play out,
3: stuffed it up. He did, And, and he's good with his feet.
2: Well, no, he actually he made a slide dig at Allison in the press probably a week earlier and said I won't do an Allison. And oh, next thing man. you know, he's stuffed up and given a goal away.
0: That's why I don't speak out about stuff like that as a keeper about other keepers making gaffes like that. It's inevitable you're going to make one. Mm. No, he's from the north. Silly, but, what yeah. You <laughs> one, huh? Silly, <laughs> silly boy.
3: <laughs> there you go. But what do you what do, you, what, do you, what do you take out of that for Everton, Alex? Do you think?
2: I'm not entirely convinced about Everton. I think they they are relying probably too heavily on a on a couple of players, uh, the likes of Richarlison. Uh, th- for me, I, I've got Tolson in my in my fantasy team, and a guy who came in last year and did quite well. I felt, and this year he's just not lived up to it. And they've got Calvert Lewin sitting on the. B- I think he started the other night, but they've been sitting him on the bench, and he's a player who can get you goals. I just, yeah, I d- I'm not entirely convinced. Uh, losing three one at home against. Let's well, well be honest, West Ham have been really poor at the start of the season. That was probably one that they were going into, thinking they were definitely going to come away with three points, so the fans will be bitterly disappointed. Um, obviously, they've got the likes of Sigurdsson in there as well. He's a quality player, and to get a goal before the break, mm. they would have took a lot of confidence out of that and thinking, yeah, we're going to turn this around, especially against a weak and West Ham team. So, yeah, like I said, I'm just not convinced by him. Um and I don't, I don't know where they're going to finish this year. They, like, they've like, they got a good squad on paper, but I don't know.
0: But even... even the, I just think their defence is a huge worry. They started with Kenny, Holgate, Zuma and Digne. It's not exactly a defence that fills you with confidence, does it? And I just think...
3: Well, Kenny and Holgate both have come through the academy at
0: Everton. Have yeah. Have they not? Yeah. I mean, credit to them, but they're not exactly top class defenders of the Premier League yes. Kurt Zoom has been tipped to be but hasn't become that yet. He really hasn't fulfilled his potential. And the amount of loans he's been out on already, I can't see him becoming a Chelsea starter in the in the near future. Mm. And I just think Everton could be in that, you know, no man's land in the middle table again.
3: Which F- is probably what you probably would have tipped him to be though at the start of the season. So whether they will be, we'll have to wait and see. Al.
2: But for me, another another issue with Everton actually is the fact that they've pumped a lot of money in to oh. players and they've spent an awful lot of money in the transfer window
3: and namely Rich Allison on fifty mil who's justified it to this point.
0: Before but that but Sigurdsson out. Schneiderland. Yeah, you yeah. know,
2: they've spent an awful lot of money on Pickford. I'd say Pickford, yeah. players who are, you know, kind of well averaged such
0: like, but that's so evident. Well isn't that's what it? I'm saying. Yeah. So
2: for me, if I was looking at them and the money they've spent as a fan, I'd be a bit like oh, be fuming yeah who's, who's in charge of the money because they, I don't think they are thrown it out at the right players and some have flopped and some have done well and I, I just think the type of players they sign for the amount of
0: money is just ridiculous I do think with back in their side they'll have Walcott and Richarlison on the wing Sigurdsson through the middle and then Tosin up top that's strong mm. but when I look past that I think Schneiderlin's underperforming right now and, and their defence is not good on paper, and it hasn't been performing well. Mm. So, and it was an interesting move with Ashley Williams going out on loan to Stoke this season. Jackie Oka looks out of place in that squad as well. Big time. He got sent off in that, I think it was the first, first game. The first game. He just, It just showed he doesn't have the legs, doesn't have that pace anymore to play there. So, uh, yeah. Troubles at our Goodison Park.
3: Very much so. Let's
0: go to Tottenham here. Um, you know, not the result they were
3: after. What do you make of them to start off, Bryce?
0: Look, I think um, it showed there's a... A lot of disparity between Liverpool and Tottenham. And I think that was all played out in front of their home <laughs> fans. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. though, Liverpool looked at, looked a class above Tottenham, and yeah. with, without Deli Alli and Hugo Lloris there, and obviously Hugo Lloris is uh, they said what didn't they say it was like a quad injury or whatever? But really, I just think the club's banned him because he got caught drink driving. Drink driving. Yeah, and yep. he was you wasted. Think you so think that's a bit of a cover up, do you? Defo, hundred percent. You never know;
2: it might have been on goal,
0: He uh, he yeah. Where'd you read that? I heard it. From you a source you podcast, heard podcast, uh, podcast. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. Jeez, that that's not you. good. No, 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 it's really not good. Now the debate is whether they strip the captaincy off him. And Which If I'm not mistaken, Grant, you, when you get um, speeding fines or drink driving in the UK, it's based on your salary.
2: Oh, I wouldn't know, what to be honest, mate. I've okay, okay, been done for drink driving or speeding? Good speed. cover it's up, like, mate. Like, well yeah, done. No, Got <laughs> out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't insinuating anything, of course.
0: Yeah, but apparently that's the way it happens. So uh, he's been sat with a hefty fine, but. um... Yeah, now the debate is whether he should be stripped of captaincy.
3: Which brings me to the thought that I've actually been having about Harry Kane, twenty-four years old, captain of England, leads from the front, scores all the goals. You know, I wore the captain's armband on the weekend. He fits the mould. He wore
0: the captain's armband and had a. I think it's very a matter a of time before he gets picked as England captain. Definitely, it definitely seems like a natural choice. Yeah, no brainer, really. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I think. Because it is a no-brainer, they can hand it off, and it's a good publicity kind of thing. They might just do that.
3: Is it too severe, Alex, for Tottenham to strip their captain of the captaincy mid-season?
2: I don't yeah, look. I, to be honest with you, I don't really want to. Like, if I say, "Oh, um, yeah, they they shouldn't and they shouldn't have let let things like that affect decisions made on the pitch," people will be saying, "Oh, no, but he's been drink driving and all this and that." So there's there's two sides to it, and uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't usually, but I am today. I'm sitting on the fence because I, I actually I don't really have an opinion on it. To have you ever been years. in a
3: club, though, where a situation has derailed a captain or a leader in that manner, though?
2: No. No, I usually stay away from clubs. And do you think... Well, another question. Scandals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: another question I have. Do you think a club captain's off-field, the way he goes about his business, should influence his uh, standing within the, the club setup? Well like he it. might be an ultimate professional on the pitch, but often he can whatever. Do you think it should impact that? Well
2: that's what I'm saying. That that's the other that's the other flip side to it, isn't it? The fact that he is the the captain of the club, he's the leader, the role model, the one that everyone looks up to, should be setting the highest standards. Um and you know, every other club that's what captains do and he's let the let the bar slip. Hmm. Um you know and a lot of fans and and that's the thing now in in the modern game the scrutiny and uh, the coverage and social just the social media publicity just made of everything it so much like people potent. see everything and th- they make very quick opinions and they're very hard to reverse those opinions i find in in, the, in nowadays society
3: it just depends how ruthless the clubs willing to be in that manner obviously you've got, you've got to set the tone but when it comes to a leader it's sort of a different kettle of fish isn't it but Completely. look look it, it,
2: it isn't good And, yeah probably saying that they should Probably strip Sanctioned it him me. big time. Yeah. But anyway,
3: let's go to Liverpool here and we'll start with this um, rather funny audio from uh, Jürgen Klopp. On your Klopp. Who uh, had a response to Gary Neville in the wake of Gary Neville saying that, Bryce, can you can you fill us in here? Gary Neville saying that Liverpool should focus on the league only.
0: Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it's just, it's a bit of a funny one and Klopp's uh, kind of answered quite wittily, I thought.
3: Take a listen to this. Gary should come
1: over and tell me how that exactly works. So what? How do you prepare a game when you don't focus on it? You bring your kids in the Champions League. That would be funny. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. So what he means with that? To be honest, so we have to we have to play football. We have to. We, I think we will. A lot of people watch our games as well when we play Champions League, and that's our that's our job that we do the best we can do in all these games.
3: I completely agree with you, Jürgen, from a fan's perspective. And Alex, you're a player you played in cup games. Can you do that? What Gary Neville's saying. Can you not focus on a match because you're focusing on another competition? Because that's often the debate in England. What team should focus on what competition for the sake of the success of their season?
2: I think Liverpool have got a big enough squad and the players of high quality where they don't really need to worry about who goes out on the field as such because they know the majority of the squad can do a job at that level. And... For me, I'll use an example of Man United when they used to go with Alex Fuchs and You'd look at a team lineup, and you go in the Champions League, and you go, "There's no chance they're going to win. They've got the likes of Anderson and you know part G, shu- part G sung, ever reliable John yeah. O'Shea. You know, like not big names West within Brown. the club. yeah, you know, not big clubs within the in
3: the team yet. Big names within the team.
2: You know, mm. sorry, yeah, and they'd always come away with three points, maybe away from home somewhere in Europe, and they'd do a job, and then you know the the team that. Sir Alex field on a Saturday might be slightly different and slightly stronger because they were focusing on the Premier League. And I f- feel that Liverpool can kind of do that as well where they can use players who might not be playing week in, week out in the Champions League. And Gary, Gary Neville will know that. Like.
3: Yeah, well, that's that was my thought out of anyone who would know... I felt like it was just How a did bit is of that, a. Is that just like a, a provoking I thought, comment?
0: I it quite strange. I mean, he is paid. He's a pundit. He's paid to make headlines and create this conversation. I think that's what he's doing because he should know more than anyone that you can do it and there's a process of doing it, as United showed under Ferguson, as many clubs have done it. You can do Champions League, you can do Premier League well with a good squad. Mm. And that's what Jurgen Klopp has. We got PSG on Tuesday and we had one of the best teams in the UK in Tottenham on the weekend. Mm. You, it's. Yeah, strange. You're going to play strong teams. Yeah, you right. are. And All
2: right. And the players themselves. Their mentalities aren't going to change. They're going to want to win every game, so it, things like that can't, aren't going to affect them. Do you know what I mean? All
3: like, right. Oh. So we've we've decided Gary never's comments. He's had a mare there. <laughs> <wrong>. yeah, silly. <laughs> he just said something
2: for the sake of it. Yeah. I, I feel. Yeah. Hmm.
3: All right. Let's um, focus on one man here within the Liverpool team. Um, Mohamed Salah hasn't been getting the he hasn't been getting the goals as he did last year. Um, is it obviously he's still been playing well and he's still so critical to the way Liverpool play and he's still in and around. The box, but it just seems Firmino and Mane in particular are the ones picking up the scraps and maybe getting the tap-ins that he maybe got last year. But in saying that, he hasn't really been finishing in the same way that I thought he might have. What's your mm. take on Salah? Yeah,
0: I think the biggest thing for me that I noticed in the Spurs game was it just kind of hit me one time when he cut in on his left. A couple of times took too many touches. I feel like he's trying to do too, too much, much at the moment, and that might be he might be quite frustrated with how he hasn't been scoring as frequently. As last season, Mane's on fire, Firmino's starting to get amongst the goals and after providing a lot of assists earlier, those two they will work. They're all, all The front three is working superbly. Salah's just not getting the finished product at the moment. I think he'll come good, but I just think at the moment he's he's a bit frustrated. He's trying to do too much. No,
2: I totally agree with Bryce. I feel like Mane and Firmino, who two players who, again, both had great seasons last year, maybe are just taking a bit of the workload off, off Salah and and, you know, making it a bit easier for him where so he doesn't chip in with all the goals. Have
3: England, um, not England, have Liverpool changed their shape? or Have you noticed anything being a keen observe every week that may have Liverpool playing in a different way that maybe isn't to Salah as much as it was last year?
0: I don't think so. I think um, you watch how that front three operates and it's, it's very similar to last season. It's just that counter-attack is just rapid, trying to move the ball as fast as possible. And he's obviously keeping up with, he's one of the fastest people and. With the ball at his feet in world football, I just think he's thinking about it too much. I'd say mm. it, it just it kind of reeks of that. But um, I do think uh, Firmino is just one of those players that is globally underrated. And I, I did you did you see what happened with his eye? Mm. tongue with Big the eye gouge, and yeah. bleeding and everything. Yeah. So the, teeth, the teeth still good though, the teeth didn't they? Do oh, look good though. of course. I mean, and he's whoever his dentist is. He's some pearly whites, <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs>
3: now nah, Firmino's okay as well. He did an Instagram post declaring his uh, health. Thank heavens. Yes,
0: thank heavens thank for that. Heavens for that.
2: I think the fact that Liverpool are doing well is the main thing, though, for Liverpool fans. I mean, look, five in a row now. Yeah, well, that's it. Salah, yeah, maybe not all guns blazing like he was last season, Bryce but you know, got uh, his guns out. That's <laughs> it. Liverpool themselves are actually in a better position, so yeah. Yeah. Y- you can't really be too worried about it.
0: I will the only. I mean, I feel for Spurs in the only sense that Michelle Vaughan had an absolute shocker. Yeah, he didn't have a great game, did he? Uh, like, waiting for his opportunity to get a start. The bit of a bit a flap it. at the ball, oh, was flap at the ball in the from a g- corner. And, the, and then the second goal comes to post and it just yeah, misses it, it completely. Yeah. Yeah. And then Firmino scores the easiest goal he ever scored Maybe in his that's because he
3: wasn't sharp and hasn't been playing. And that's sort of what happens in those small moments when it makes, you know, in the Premier League especially... He makes it show. But and anyway. that was
0: also, actually, you'd like this one, former Newcastle man, Jorginho Wijnaldum. That was his first Premier League away goal for Liverpool.
3: There you go. Yeah, well, he's, he
0: can score. Can score, but just not away from home. I like he Loves would... the home. Yeah, he, he's a grafter.
3: Does a job, he's yeah. He's great. He,
0: does.
2: He's an, he flies under the radar slightly in that squad. Time. Time.
3: Anyway, we'll leave Liverpool there. Let's go to Chelsea here, because Chelsea are flying under the radar themselves, are they not? Not many people are talking about it, maybe because of the hypes on United, v city too much and... Now Liverpool are back in the equation. Chelsea, obviously, we spoke about it, um, had a disrupted by their standards. Um, yeah, we yeah, we talked about. Yeah, sorry coming in Sarri's really late. Come in late, and it doesn't look they look really good. And Hazard Mate. has been called
0: the best player in Europe by his manager. I mean, it's he can't be far off that hat trick with Mesmerising. Mm. He just absolutely grabbed it by the scruff of the neck that game and went to town after Cardiff scored first. So mm. it was it was a bit of a shock start at Stamford Bridge, but it was um Hazard. It's good to see Hazard playing well. He's one of the nicest players to watch in the Premier League, and him in full flight it's a real spectacle. His first goal was oh, so good. It's
3: just a silly, fake man. step over, yeah. Then the return pass from Giroud. And Giroud's doing all the assists and flicks and whatnot. His
0: touches have been very good, facilitating play. Maybe not scoring goals. I mean, as he did for France in the World Cup, not scoring goals. I mean, no shots on target. But he's a facilitator. Facilitator. That's what the commentators. It was a job.
2: Said. Yeah, yeah he does what he's asked to at the end of the day and if you can get on the score sheet it's a it's a bonus but yeah like going back to hazard oh unreal that guy flames oh he he is he's just he's he's just a, above everyone isn't he he's low center of gravity on the ball he just gets away Plays. it is like that so messy though
0: isn't it that low center of gravity yeah. with the dribbling where it just seems effortless do you I think, think
3: do you think he scores enough goals though alex he just scored three the weekend yeah Stu. i know <laughs> but <laughs> no but that's his, that's the thing with him they oh that's when I say them, the critics, the proper critics on him too in sporadic, Europe, you say that he doesn't. He could score, he should score more goals, and he probably doesn't. And then maybe he passes the ball too much and gets assists more than he. You know, Ronaldo and Messi are way more selfish, but maybe I'm clutching at straws.
2: That's it. I think probably a lot of pundits and a lot of critics look, put him in that bracket, and then compare him to the because to the he's best got the talent. The world. Yeah, 100. percent He's got the potential to to reach the heights of um, other players in that category, and I think that. That's probably focused too much on comparing him then, and when he doesn't chip in with a goal every now and then. Yeah, I, I think that's rubbish. Yeah. I think
0: I think he's he's got a style of play that's different. He's a unique player, and he doesn't he doesn't shoot as much as Messi and Ronaldo do. I mean, Ronaldo's and Messi are more selfish, but that's their role in the team. They do that. Hazard creates more assists than those guys do on a regular basis. So that's the role he plays in the team. and He does it fantastic. And
3: Cristiano Ronaldo scored his first goal for Juventus on the weekend. Uh, Good on him. We all love him, don't we? All right, let's go to (laughs) Burnley. (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Burnley are having an absolute shocker this season. What's happened here? Sean Dyche was the the next England manager at one stage last season. Ginger Pep. Ginger Mourinho. Ginger Mourinho, was it? better than Pep. um, Right now? Is he better than let's, let's just keep going about Sean <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stu. Um, Three. 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 There you go. Sean Dyche, What does this mean, huh? The wheels have fallen off Burnley to this point. They had the Europa League campaign uh, cut short by their own fault. Um, and, yeah, they're not doing any good, are they, Al?
2: No, they're struggling. Yeah.
0: And we thought it was all going to be Europa League, didn't we? That was affecting it. But now they're out and they're still good. What's going on?
2: It might just be a mental thing from that, you know, and they feel like the chips are down, you know. It'd be interesting to know what the mood around the camp's like, actually, and whether this. this they're obviously it's still early doors, and they've they've got to stay positive. But to have only taken one point from the first five games, they're they've not shipped be ten goals.
0: And they got they got convincingly rolled by Wolves. I know the score line didn't reflect that, but there was what was it, Granty, 17, seventeen shots. Yeah,
2: before Wolves scored, so that's. Oh my
0: goodness! I just think Burnley. Uh, They're in a bit of identity crisis now because they were known for being... Hard and tough. Like, resolute at the back. You would not score against them at Turf Moor. I know this was at the Molyneux, but just this season they've already shipped goals at home. Yeah. It's not very good teams either sometimes, but I just... I'm really surprised by this. Mm. Yeah, it's a a bit of an odd one. it would be interesting Um, to to see this plans out.
3: Joe Hart's had a good game. We talked about this briefly off air. Joe Hart's had a, a wicked game. Do you think a keeper that can ship 10 goals in the first five games playing in a bad team. I mean, the problem with England is they've got Jordan um, Stoke Keeper, Jack Butlin as the number two at the moment, and he's playing in the championship. And then you've got Joe jo Hart, doing Hart well the, either. the next one to come in. Burnley have the potential for three England keepers to come in, and none, neither of them are, you know, they're all... Well, the team's playing bad, so they're going to concede goals, aren't they?
0: I think, yeah, yeah. look, he, he did his job again. Surely Joe
3: Hart's in the frame.
0: I don't think so. Surely he's no, going to no. come to I think in. him not getting picked for the World Cup at all shows that Garrett Southgate is moving on. Mm. He's not in his plans anymore. And Southgate's shown with his selections, he's picking the young players. Like your Joe Gomez, like your Alexander-Arnold. You're getting real young players in there and he's getting this new breed into the England set-up. And I think looking back at a Joe Hart at that stage of his career is kind of pointless. Fair I think enough. getting Pickford in there... Keep him in there, get the Butlins and stuff like that in there. I just Build them up because they've got so much more potential. Do you think Butlin should be in the England squad?
2: If he's playing well, he should be. Uh, but, but do you yeah. think... But well, see it, Joe Art's playing well, so... But do
3: you think a keeper in the second... I know he was in the Premier League last year, but a keeper that's in... And I mean, Gareth Southgate did say publicly that um, Butlin will struggle to keep his squad because he's playing in... Uh, I will struggle division. to keep his position because he's playing in the second division in England. Which is a very fair call. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know the, I, I don't like the idea of that when there's English keepers in the prem not getting not games you, at all. Yeah,
2: I know you can argue this. So I remember when when I was in England and keepers used to be shipped out on loan and they got shipped out to l- very low divisions. The me- the mentality there was that goalkeepers the the standard doesn't really affect how they play. If
0: right, you know right. what I mean, because they have to. All they can do is. Sh- uh. Save shots whereas other players they're all affected by one another that's interesting
2: you know what i mean so it it, was that was a mentality obviously you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to drop too low down if you were going out on loan as a goalkeeper you wanted to stay somewhere round about but it clubs didn't seem to bother about sending them lower down if you know what i mean you know instead of like all the the league next door kind of thing you know because their role in the squad isn't They don't dictate play. They don't, you know, they haven't got to do it. They've just got to save shots and someone shot in this league might be exactly the same. You know what I mean? Mm. The Chances were created in all leagues, so it doesn't really matter what standard you're playing at. That's a good point. Yeah, that's the way I see it with kind of Jack Portland and and his situation. Uh, And that's probably what he's thinking. You know, the championship isn't that much of a step down from um, the Premier League. There's still a lot of quality in there. Um, and if Stolt come back up, I know they're struggling at the moment, but then he he walks right back in.
0: But I think um, Joe Hart, he'd have to be having a worldy season in order to get back in Gareth Southgate's plans, and I don't think he's there yet. Mm.
3: All right, let's go to Man City. Now uh, another comprehensive win against Fulham on the weekend, uh, 3-0, but could have been a lot more, and a certain Mr Guardiola wasn't very happy about it in his post-match, was he, Bryce? Oh, he
0: said they were a bit wasteful, but I mean... I think the biggest thing to grab from this game is Sane gets his first other season, hits the back of the net within two minutes. So I think that's a real positive for him and Mm. he's obviously been it in the media a bit after Pep said he's been a bit off at training attitude-wise, so good for him. Silver and Sterling hit the score sheet as well. But yeah, Pep wasn't happy. He cancelled their day off Mm. because he wasn't happy with the performance. So a odd one, that. Yeah, perfectionist. What do you think of their game, Al?
2: Yeah, look, watching it at the start, Fulham came out... With real good intent, and they actually tried to play football against it, and for two minutes it worked. It's refreshing because you wouldn't have expected that. And then they made a mistake, got caught out, and and that's the thing with when you play against the likes of Man City and Liverpool, and because their pressing is so good, if you if you try and play like they do, get caught out. And you you do you do you get caught out.
3: Guardiola praised obviously because he likes playing football, so he likes teams that come and try to play football because eventually, I guess, he knows his team's going to beat them. But yeah.
2: Well, that's it, yeah. Fulham, yeah. Fulham had real intent there from the start. You know, from the word goal, they'd, they'd obviously set up in a way and they wanted to play a certain style of football against Man City. And it, it looked really good from the kick-off. But like I said, yeah, just ultimately didn't work in the end.
0: Been a bit of a story this season. i have been playing some nice football but not necessarily getting the results. They're sitting in 15th at the moment. Um, they got that win over Burnley a few weeks ago. But it's just, it's they're trying. It's really good to see a team like that playing yeah, it's you know, just positive a le- it's brand a of football. It's a learning curve at the end of the Big day. Big yeah Big time. Definitely. All right.
3: Manu they uh got a much needed win on the weekend sort of steadied the ship no more you know bad headlines towards Jose for another week i guess
0: yeah and they, they did it wearing uh shirts that had obviously been white shirts that had been mixed in with reds in the washer there a lot was of stick quite about a bit them. of criticism about those. yeah shirts. a lot of
2: stick about especially when you're playing what for the way you play in, away, you play in black, yellow, and black and yellow stripes you know what i mean yeah. like you could have worn the red kit um i think everyone would have been preferred would have preferred United wearing that. But you it's know a marketing decision. What right are we there. what are we doing? We, we talk about football on this podcast. We <laughs> don't care about <laughs> oh, That's part of it. But um, it was um <laughs> yeah,
0: good very good result for United.
2: Yeah it was. Yeah, it was good. And that was a thing and um, and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago about Watford um Undefeated teams, until that point. The teams yeah. going there and the atmosphere probably having an effect on the game and things like that. And and from watching it you could you got that sense again that maybe a big club could stumble there like Tottenham had, had done the previous week, and you felt that you know the game was starting to go off a certain way and United might crumble. But it was actually a real, especially in the first, it was a real professional performance from United. Um, two set pieces ultimately led to the goal, so that was, it was really good. And you could see that it meant a lot to Mourinho, and I think mm-hmm. they've worked on it, obviously, in training. Um, and, and it just shows you, I think, that now, especially we saw it in the World Cup, set pieces are pivotal, and Big if you talent. do them right, you yeah. can
0: get a lot of goals from them. Um yeah. It's be- and I think <laughs> <laughs> the only low light is probably Chris Smalling's new haircut. Mourinho didn't rate it. He's rascal. Yeah. Didn't expect it from him. He looks he's always been quite clean cut with his shaved head, so that was yeah. interesting. He see. needs a bit of flair somewhere. Good it? goal though. A a chest down finish. and volley it's from a the centre finish, half. Yeah. yeah. Good on him
3: puts him back in England uh, contention, I guess. Does and it,
2: Bryce? No, we're going for a new era now, aren't we? You know, Young, new players. Fresh crop. Gareth Southgate. Whoop, nah, but he's doing around the squad. You buy into that, though, don't I you? do, though. Yeah. I do, definitely. I'm, I'm all up for that.
3: Well, maybe not. Anyway, he's come out and said his England stuff motivated him, so maybe that's why he's playing well. So clearly, I think he's trying to get back in that England squad. Whether he will, we'll have to wait and see. All right, there we go. Um, we'll leave that one there. We've covered off Wolves, and we'll go to Arsenal here, because Arsenal, with their tough start, Steadied their form, and of course they beat my team, but that's the way it goes. Uh, Arsenal win 2-1 at St James' Park. Uh, Granite Xhaka with a worldy goal.
0: About time he did something productive for that club. Uh, that's three wins on the bounce now for Arsenal, so you're right, they have steadied. And uh, Meza Ozil got in the score sheet and uh, on his 200 appearance, so good on him. Yeah, and that ensured Arsenal won consecutive away league games for the first time since May 2017. Bang. Which is yeah, quite a while. It is for is, them. Yeah, which oh, probably for a club of that stature, 100%. Which sums up their their spot. That's where they're at now. That's that's a big stat for them. they Arsenal, back. and yeah.
3: Emery so far from it. And Emery's you know looking like he's got the team clicking and working, and I guess getting over the big teams. I guess those early fixtures for them just really showed that they won't be up there with the very best, but these three wins show that they're still going to be in and around the top fifth position.
0: And it could definitely be four in a row. They've got Everton at the Emirates next up, and they could definitely be Everton. So, I mean, things are looking a bit more rosy for Arsenal at the moment. Well, yeah, and here's an interesting stat for you. All ten of Arsenal's
2: Premier League goals this season have been scored by different players, including one on goal, so...
0: Everyone's getting on the score sheet down at Arsenal. Happy days. Sharing the love.
3: Happy days. All right, that's it from us for this short, sharp episode. Or well, That's what it feels like. Coming up now is the interview that I did with Steve Taylor about his life in the Premier League with Newcastle United. He's uh, now with the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League, as I mentioned. But if you are listening... If you are listening through uh, iTunes, make sure you subscribe. Give us a review. Let us know how it's all going. But we do have Instagram as well now, Bryce.
0: Yeah, Shooting Zars. Shooting Zars. We
3: do have Twitter, as we always have, at Shooting. Alex has uh, Instagram as well, Grunty94. Go check it out. He keeps bugging us to get
0: everyone to follow him, so (laughs) please do. We're getting big time, aren't we? (laughs) eh? We are. We're all about uh, our clout, getting our clout game up.
3: Yes, absolutely. All right, so Steve Taylor will be back right after
1: this. Hi, this is Stephen Taylor from the Wellington Phoenix. You're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast.
3: So on the line now is a man that is absolutely no stranger to the English Premier League, having spent 13 seasons in England with Newcastle United. He's now in Australia playing in the A-League with the Wellington Phoenix, and he joins us here on the Shooting Zars podcast. Steve Taylor, thanks for being here. But before we start, Steve, I've just got to say, I've got a family full of Geordies back in the UK, so this is quite an honour for me to be able to interview you today.
1: Oh, it's brilliant, man. Not just yourself, everybody in Wellington who have messages from Newcastle and uh, big Newcastle support around there in Australia as well. I was just recently out there uh, last week doing stuff for the A-League and it was refreshing to hear some uh, Newcastle supporters in and around the rounded place. And I was just down by the harbour there. I come in Wellington and my local cafe, a guy from Newcastle, it's, it's just unbelievable the amount of supporters.
3: So obviously you're at Wellington, as you said. Now, so to start us off, you've um, obviously spent a lot of time in England. You've been in the MLS. Um, why did you decide to come out to the A League at this point in your career?
1: Well, that was one of the things uh, for me. Was all my career since I was a 16 year old lad, I've always enjoyed the challenge ahead. I had seven centre halves ahead of me at Newcastle. So when I left school, it was uh, it was always going to be a difficult uh, situation in trying to break through the first team then once I did that to establish myself and play in Europe and play in the games that I played and just um, I've always wanted that kind of chance i played all my, all my career basically in, in England um, I had a great opportunity to go across to America signed a two and a half year deal and uh, within the six months there Mick McCarthy rang me up and asked me like to come back into the championship and it was a, it was very difficult to say no at the time it was a difficult uh, time for Ipswich it was a struggle they were fighting for relegation so to be involved in. And that was like a new challenge for me there, going to a league where Newcastle was as well. Um, but I've always kind of wanted something that's going to wet my lips. And the challenges that I had out there in the summer, there was teams in Europe, but there wasn't anything that was exciting to kind of go to the next level and uh, leave a legacy. And for me, seeing Wellington and, and playing against them four years ago for Newcastle, I knew a little bit about, um, with obviously the area that we spent in with Newcastle here, Um spoke to the manager, I obviously know how disappointed Wellington was uh, last year for whatever reason that was off the pitch uh, with the old regime but it's a whole new look you, know, you they've cleared a lot of the people out and they've got a brand new like uh, the, the staff that's in here now, the, the new management the players that he's brought in it's just an exciting kind of feeling I think you get around the players speaking to the lads compared to last year it's mm. and cheese Um and it's great for me to come into an environment now where it's the Kiwi lads, the, the, the Aussie boys and the Polish boys, they all kind of like they mingle together. They all do the same stuff. After training, we all go and do you know, the, the barbecues, the fire pit nights, um, you know, the coffees together. I'm just getting used to the, the piccolos, I think, you, uh, <laughs> the Australians <laughs> and uh, the Kiwis love. So yeah. for me, it's all like a new culture shock. I've had to learn to do things myself, build my own fire pit barbecues on the balcony and, and it's something I've never had where I wake up in the morning to an ocean view, uh, compared to raining, freezing cold, mm. getting in my car, having the same drive every day for 15 years. Yep. So something for me, to, I wanted to change. And for me, I had no kind of restrictions where I'm not married, I haven't got kids. So nothing was kind of holding me back for having an adventure and, and doing something and trying to build something special. And I think this was something that I wanted to do, um, I had a good chat with my family, and you've got to go for it, and I think it was the, uh, the best kind of challenge that I had, and uh, the most exciting one for me, personally, so I just can't wait to get going.
3: Sounds, sounds like you're enjoying yourself. How have you Just quickly, how did you find the, the winter in Wellington compared to the winter in Newcastle? Because I know my dad would always complain about the, the cold and the wet, and that's why they ended up coming out to Australia
1: we we'll put it this way. I've had t-shirts on every day. If you think this is yeah. winter? Come to Newcastle; you understand what winter is. Yeah. It's absolutely freezing back there now. That's how sensitive the uh, the boys here I went, lads. You don't understand. Back in Newcastle, it is absolutely freezing. Yeah. I've come out here, and uh, yeah, this is not, this is nowhere near as, as bad as what it is back in uh, the UK. When I was in Newcastle, we used to win uh, games in the tunnels before the game because you get a lot of the, uh, the especially the southern teams coming up to play Newcastle. I didn't like the cold. And, that's how I hear from uh, speaking of Jewell and, and Burnsy back in the days where you know, it would be a horrible, windy, wet night in, in Wellington and teams didn't fancy coming here. Before the game had kicked off, you knew you won all up.
3: Mm, there you go, Steve. Now, when you look back on your career at Newcastle, what's your feelings about your whole time there?
1: Oh, I lived the dream. Being back in obviously Newcastle, starting my career there as a nine-year-old lad walking in at the School of Excellence. Did I ever think I would be playing for Newcastle? At the time, no, I thought I'd have to make my way down the leagues and, and work myself up, but just down to uh, hard work. And uh, I got my break, left school, and Bobby Robson gave me the opportunity against uh, Real Mallorca. Fantastic European nights, We're a good few years, We're a good quarter I think we had a couple of quarterfinals in there, an FA Cup semi-final in there, uh, finished fifth when uh, we should have done better, to be fair, that year. We could have got a second or third. But, yeah, I've absolutely loved it. And football, any footballer, is like a roller coaster. You've Mm. got your highs, you've got your lows. And Mm. I think that's part and parcel of being a footballer. And it moulding me being a character that it brings out today with me. So hopefully I take my experience and pass it on to uh, the boys here. And uh, I want to build more memories and uh, more, obviously, uh, exciting and fun times ahead.
3: Now, you mentioned Bobby Robson there. He's probably one of Newcastle's most famous managers in history. What was he actually like as a man, and what was he like to play under and start your career under?
1: Yeah, well, I always remember as a 16-year-old lad, I, uh, I had the confidence to, to believe that I should be playing in the first team. I remember leaving school and training with the first team, and he'd always have me against Alan Shearer every day, and I'd get absolutely battered. Uh, he would throw me a bow. There's elbows flying in my face all the time, but it kind of makes it from a boy to a man when you're around these kind of guys like the Gary Speeds, the Jonathan Woodgates, the Shay Givens. Them kind of guys, I was a 16-year-old lad around these 30-odd-year-old characters, and they kind of like grounded me, I think, uh, took me into that wing. And uh, for me to learn from them was a massive coup for me, so I'm a very lucky lad to be working with that kind of uh, quality. Um, but I remember there was a time where I, I, I wanted to be playing I think I was 17 at the time and uh, after training I had in my head I was going to say listen I'm going to go and see the gaffer I'm not happy with this I want to be playing this weekend um, and I was I had a lot of anger and I remember going into the office and before I could get my words out he managed to just he obviously seemed out the way I was and he managed to just get his arm around us and mm. talks about something completely different. I remember walking out the office with him with his, his arm around us and he managed to swing the whole conversation around and I didn't even get my words out. Yeah. i tell you, I love the guy and I accepted what he was saying. And that's one of the things that I don't think uh, I've seen very often. Maybe with Kevin Keegan, and he's very special like that. And uh, you know, judging a character and how to deal with different personalities. And I think in the modern day football now, it's vitally important. It, uh, it goes out the window when people, I hear people say they've got these badges, these badges, but it means nothing. Mm. You can't deal with a modern day footballer because every footballer is different. You know, some need a bit of loving, some need the arm round, them, some need a kick up the backside and there was this, at a time where I've had a kick up the backside and arm around is everything, but Robson knew how to deal with these players. He was dealing with the likes of Aaron Shearer, yeah. Craig Bellamy.
3: Big Dyer,
1: All these different kind of characters. He mm. just knew how to, treated individual, get them in the office tell them on a Friday, listen this is, I'm not playing you this weekend, this is why I'm not playing you, get you in the office say, I'm playing you tomorrow, He'll give you that bit of love and that bit of confidence and there's times where you feel you're going through a bad patch and you uh, just make you feel good you know, you put your arm on and just have a good chat with you, you'll always leave Tottenham feeling a million dollars and that's the thing that it is in football it's all about confidence Did- to me it's not about the talent that you've got And that's all he always said to me. He goes, listen, he's worked with Barcelona players and uh, the the teams that we worked with. He said, listen, there's world-class players and we played in some games where we had more talent, but teams beat us because they had more effort. And in football, that's what it's all about. If you've got the effort and you're showing that in front of 52,000 week in, week out, these fans will love you.
3: So do do you think managers these days maybe don't have the same approach or not enough managers have the same approach that a guy like Bobby Robson had back in the day?
1: I think there's a lot more pressure on managers and I feel sorry for a lot of managers because you know, you're judged by the games and results and if you're not getting your results, the pressure becomes and you need fast reaction. You, you need to get the results quick. If you don't, three or four defeats, you can see yourself losing the job. I think back when Bobby Robson was, you had more time and there wasn't that much pressure on you from the media side of things. But in the football game now, with the pressure on managers is phenomenal. The amount of managers I've had, uh, that I've seen when, from day one when they came into the job, they looked pretty fresh. By the time uh, their last stage was the manager, they looked like a different person. They looked haggard, they looked tired, uh, they're aged. Um, you know, it's it's a tough job. And I think for a lot of them, you've got to have that kind of uh, balls like steel. As I say, you've got to be able to take like, a pinch of salt. You've got to accept the criticism along the way. It's never rosy. You always know when you get built up, they're just waiting for that time to, to knock you down. Mm. If you can't accept that, then you're in the wrong job.
3: So going back to the Premier League, obviously you spent a lot of time there. And I guess I want to know back in 2009, the team was relegated from the Premier League. What was that like at the club at at that time? And what was that season like when Newcastle got relegated from the Premier League?
1: It was horrible. Literally, uh, yeah, it's the worst day of my career. Was The season as a whole, the players that we had, there was no way on paper that Newcastle should have been relegated. But the results don't lie. And we didn't play as a team. We played like individuals and we probably had too many egos in the team. We probably had too many people who didn't want to be there. And the the point was proven and it shows you that you can have as many top names there. But if you don't come together and play as a team, you've got no chance. And unfortunately for us, uh, it showed and we deserve to get relegated. And I think it was the best thing for Newcastle at the time because it gets rid of the people that didn't want to be there. And brings in the hungry players who do want to be there and we had to kind of start again and I think that's what was a good thing for us where uh, Chris Houghton did a cr- uh, cracking job yeah. and we had that kind of the fans were buzzing again we were winning games we, we got the record points in the championship won the championship very comfortably and we always you know we, we were going every game believing we're going to win the game we get a 60 70 minutes if we're in the game we said we'll win it mm. fitness shows through then uh, the kind of feel factor that I had around in the championship that year—I'm is I'm around better players, you know, out here now than, than I was in the, in the championship. Just because we, were, we had a group of players who just fight for each other, players who were fantastic for the championship that year to go in the Premier League—it's a different scenario. We had a, and the main the main thing was there was just stay up. Mm. You know, when you when you go in the Premier League, your thing is just stay in the Premier League and you build from there and I think two years after that we, we got I think I was a fifth place in, yep. in Europe and yep. from then onwards it was, a, it was a great thing and then once again we should have built when we finished fifth we didn't unfortunately we sold our top players top attackers who had done well for us and we didn't replace them with the same kind of quality we cashed in and didn't reinvest unfortunately
3: Was it a similar situation in the second relegation a couple of years ago at the club than the way the club was being run maybe in 2009 as well was it the same sort of vibe around the club leading to a relegation
1: Yeah we had a, we had a Steve McLaren I remember at the start and um, we were playing a complete different ball game we were trying to play a lot and we probably overplayed and I mean, he was big on possession uh, and we was getting too many results too many draws losing um Silly goals in the last five, ten minutes of the first half, or near the end of the game, and it was costing us. And we were too nice to teams. And uh, we, like, once again, we, we didn't play as a team. I, I think as individuals, was players who played to to kind of use Newcastle maybe as a stepping stone. And mm. Was players that wanted to move on, and the manager was frustrated as well with the players because he wanted the best out of them, but certain players, you know, they weren't giving it the best for whatever reason, but. You know the, the lead table doesn't lie, unfortunately, and uh, you got to accept that. You know, for Newcastle, uh, they bounced back, but still, it's a bit disappointing to start of the season. But you know, Rafa's had a tough start. You know, he's, uh, he's played the top boys so far.
3: What's your assessment on the team at the minute? How do you think they'll shape up for this season? Obviously, staying up last season, finishing tenth. What's your assessment from afar these days?
1: I think they're stronger this season. Um, I think, obviously, Rondon. I, I like him. I've played against him. I think he's a he's a, he's a tough forward something that offers something different runs in behind can hold it up uh, he's got an eye for goal and um, he's probably something I think the castle missed last year so for me they're playing well at the start of the season they probably could have um, could have nicked a few good wins but it's just last I at mean, the last third of the moment it's just getting them final chances and sticking their where they get the opportunities but uh, unfortunately not finishing them off and uh, I think Rafa will be will keep them well organised and um, and speaking to the lads and staff to this day now, you know, they're still believable. They can do what they did last year, and that's what I think Newcastle's about now is actually staying in the Premier League and uh, trying to get as high as possible in top 10 plus.
3: Do you want Newcastle to be bought out as well, Steve? I know there is the perspective of Newcastle at the moment being a sleeping giant. I mean, clearly there needs to be a bit more money. I mean, what, what's your take on all of that?
1: Newcastle 100% is a sleeping giant, and I think, you know, if Mike actually does want to sell it, it'd be fantastic for a someone to uh, take over what you know you look at the fan base the club's got and uh it's still baffling i don't know why someone want to take that uh, chance and it's got everything there it's literally mm. just waiting to take off and uh, when it does it will erupt because uh, you've got the you know, the loudest the fans are unbelievable week in week out you hear them all the time it's great watching them on tv because uh they're just uh, they're non-stop and uh win win or lose they're constantly supporting the, uh, the lads and I just want to see them success and I want them back in Europe and them European nights were the best in my career um, and that's what you play for as a young lad and I just want to see them get back to there.
3: And to finish this off here Steve, uh, if, if you had to say what would be your favourite moment wearing the black and white?
1: Uh, black and white I think would be scoring my first ever goal in Newcastle, uh, the Gallagher event, um, winning 2-1 against Salah Vigo. Uh, and they die in a few minutes. So I think that that will never forget. Did the forest Gump run from the celebration? Uh, because <laughs> I, I didn't know what else to do. I was just over the moon scoring my first <laughs> goal from a hometown club.
3: All right, Steve Taylor, we'll leave it there. Best of luck in the A-League this season with Wellington. And thank you so much for your time here on the Shooting's out podcast.
1: Thanks so much. Here comes Alan sira It's Searer for The way he brought that down was fabulous.